Well, I'll just change tack a little bit of what I had prepared. I'll just do something a little bit different. Just uh, If we look in Luke chapter 13, and uh, we were talking just about, uh, earlier on, just about the need for the power of God, the need to encounter God, to experience Him. It's only through encounters our heart could change. And uh, so I had a season when I had a heart operation, and uh, I was praying that wouldn't happen, and it happened. And uh, so I went through triple bypass, but it turned out in the end, it was actually God's mercy to me because I had to stop for about two months and just take time to just be in his presence. And I made the decision I would rest and that I would uh, follow the doctor's instructions and rest properly. And that every day I would turn it into a meeting with God. And so every day, and I, couldn't, I didn't have the strength to pray because of the severity of the operation, but I just sat and put worship music on and just asked Father to come. And day after day, I would start to encounter him every day for two months. It was the most wonderful time. In the end, I said, oh, I don't think I want to go back and doing ministry. This is too nice. This is too good. You know, mornings with God and after two teas with my wife, it was brilliant. And, uh, but it was, it was God's grace. Later on, he told me that he's wanting to bring a shift. And sometimes he has to slow us down and reposition us to receive new things because you can be just too busy to receive. And often if you're in ministry, you just want to give out all the time. And so often, rather than taking in, you're taking in with a view to giving out rather than actually just taking in. So I've made a lot of my time now, you're not so much preparing messages, it's preparing me of being actually engaging with God and becoming connected. Now I want to just share, just, we were, I said this morning about that, I was going to share a little bit about the importance of deliverance. I'm just going to take a different tack with it and just pick up one story in Luke chapter 13. And uh, just bring it in and apply the message through this. Uh, it says in here in Luke chapter 30, verse 10, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and in no way could raise herself up. And Jesus saw her. The story is actually incredibly rich in insights to the heart of God. I have read the story through a number of times, but I had opportunity to relook at it through the lens of culture and what that meant to the people that were there. And uh, I want to just open it up a little bit just to share some things with you. The culture of the Middle East is an honor-shame culture. It's a collective culture. And so it's very based on honor-shame. Those are the values that drive the culture. Instead of the Western culture, it's very individualistic, all about me, about my rights, my journey, my walk, my thing, my whatever, my purpose, my core. Uh, the, the Middle Eastern culture is very collective. And uh, in the Western culture, the uh, values of guilt and innocence and law drive the culture, whereas in the Middle East and uh, most of the cultures of the world, 70%, it's driven by the fear of losing face and the desire for honor. And honor comes from primary sources, your family, your family of origin. It can come also by achievements uh, of courage. It can come by achievements of benevolence. So people looked for honor. All of Jesus' uh, engagements with the Pharisees were honor challenges. I'd never seen that before. In an honor challenge, someone says or does something, and they challenged publicly, and the, they had to reply. And the crowd decided who walked away with honor. And so every time Jesus encountered the religious system, it was all about challenging the false culture of honor that was there, that was built into the religious system. 
And so you'll find when you look at the story, there's far richer than what you could ever possibly imagine. So let me just go through it and just give it quick, but I want to apply it into our lives right now because I, I believe God wants to bring some release to some people. In a, in a, in a, uh, in an, uh, we understand a Western culture that is very works-driven, so therefore we try to establish righteousness by what we do. Uh, in an honor-shame culture, then people try to establish their own honor with honor systems. And so the religious system of Jesus' day was strongly built around rank and privilege. And of course, the uh, people uh, on the whole were not acceptable unless they met rigid standards. And uh, the Pharisees sought to honor themselves. Jesus said, how can you believe, how can you have faith who seek the honor of men and not the honor that comes from God? So their ho- everything they did was all about appearances and image and having a presentable culture that made them look really good. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. It, was, it was rampant in Jesus' day. So Jesus comes into the church. There's a woman in the church. She has three presenting problems. Problem number one is she has a physical disability. It's, just, it's not just a little one. It's so major, it says she's doubled right over like that, which means she can only take little steps like this. This is a severe limitation in her life. Secondly, it tells us the source of that was a demonic spirit. So this is not just a physical problem. This is not just a presenting disability. This is actually empowered by a demonic spirit. So there is a spirit of infirmity, a particular spirit, which has caused this problem. It entered her life through some event that happened, which is not described. It said she'd had it 18 years. So that means it entered at a point. Something happened in her life probably a trauma of some kind. This is a culture where women were abused, where women were treated of low value. It was a culture where women were traded. It was a culture where the Romans ruled brutally. The chances are she had been sexually abused or she had been physically abused or gone through some traumatic experience. The Bible is not clear about it, but it tells us that 18 years ago, a spirit entered her life and from that point on, she became bowed right down, completely bent over, and it says no power, no dunamis, no supernatural ability to stand up because the presenting problem was demonic. Now, here's the third problem. The third problem in a culture like that, uh, where honor is everything, people who are handicapped were considered to be cursed, and so they were considered to be people who carried great shame. The community placed low value on them. They were so lowly valued, people didn't want to connect with them. Socially, they were rejected. Socially, they were ignored. Even in Asia, you go there now, you'll find they hide people who are handicapped. There is a shame and loss of face if you are a family and have someone who is disabled in some kind of way. It produces shame on the family, so they keep the people hidden away. So this, to this day, is still a problem. So notice now three significant problems she's carrying. Number one, a physical life-threatening disability that limits completely what she is able to do. Number two, she's struggling with a demonic spirit that oppresses her and continually keeps her bound. She has no power. There's no medication, no doctor, no counsel can fix her. She needs the power of God. And thirdly, she has an issue that only God can fix. And that is, socially, she is a total reject. Firstly, she's a woman and has very little value. And secondly, she's disabled so severely that now she's considered to be of no value whatsoever. In the culture of an honor shame, she's at the bottom of the barrel. 
So she is a person who has absolutely no value. And she's in, notice now, she's come to the synagogue. This all takes place in the church. No, there's a reason the story is there. There are many stories in the Bible about Jesus, many stories of his encounters with people, but not so many recorded. This one's recorded. So it has particular relevance, not just to women, it has particular relevance to the church. Because often in the Bible, the woman is a picture of the church. So we see in the story there, Jesus in the middle of preaching. And I want to show you two parts to the story. Number one, what happens? He is preaching. Now, for a, for a rabbi to be preaching, nothing would interrupt the preaching. And it says, and so he's preaching in the synagogue, and he sees the woman. Now, the woman's not at the front. The woman is right at the back. The woman is taken great effort to get there, little step at a time. This is a massive effort to get there. She has got faith in her heart that an encounter with God, an encounter with Jesus can set her free. She's got no confidence in the church, no confidence in their system, because in their system, she has nothing to contribute. She's of low value, low standing, so therefore she's despised and rejected. People would treat her very badly. This is an ordeal coming to the church. You can understand the terrible pain that she's in, that life has treated her so badly, but in her heart, there is faith. In her heart, there is faith. If I can just have an encounter with Jesus, my life will change. See, this is what, you'll see this unfold in the whole story in just a moment. So Jesus, no, Jesus in the middle of preaching, and then there's something completely radical. Several things completely radical. Number one, he stops his ministry and focuses his attention on someone who is in need. Jesus came to reveal the Father. So in the story, Jesus manifests what the Father is like. So look past for a moment just the miracle that takes place, the deliverance that takes place, and you see that the heart of God is not impressed by the religious leadership. The heart of God is touched with compassion for someone who has no possible comfort, no help, nothing. He reaches out to touch the most lowly valued person in the room. You'll find that right through Jesus' ministry. He confronted the false honor system. In the false honor system, the leaders sat up here. The leaders were all honored. Everyone else had low value. If you were handicapped, you had the no value whatsoever. Jesus over, over and over and over challenges that system. And he says, you are of value because my father values you. You are of value because you're made in the image of God. I can see past the limitations. I can see past those handicaps you're facing. I can see past your identity and, I, and your gender. I see you and I value you. So Jesus stops and he calls to her. Now, for him to speak to a woman as a rabbi literally broke the whole culture, what was acceptable to rabbis. So you understand step by step, Jesus is shattering this false culture that divides people up and segregates them according to abilities or disabilities, genders or whatever. He's saying, actually, my heart is for you. He calls to the woman. He calls her to arise and come to him. Now you understand, talking to her breaks the culture straight away. There's a shock in the atmosphere. Now, because she can't move very fast, there's quite a long wait Till she gets to the front. So Jesus is drawing attention to what he's about to do. The whole atmosphere now senses 
a dramatic challenge is about to take place. Jesus is not just about to heal the woman and reveal the heart of God. He's also about to challenge the whole false value system of the religious culture in that day. In fact, that is why they put him to death by crucifixion. He had taken so much honor from them and shamed them so deeply, they had to put him to death by crucifixion, a death by shaming. They could have killed him many other ways, but they put him to death on the cross because the death on the cross is a death by systematic and intentional public shaming of a person until there's no honor left and no one will follow them. And it's all because of this kind of story. So he calls the woman to himself. Then he does a second thing that, that challenges them. He rebukes the spirit. Be loosed. Commands the spirit. Gives a word of authority. The demon is off her life like that. And then he does something that just shocks them. He touches her. To touch a woman meant the rabbi was defiled ceremonially. Rabbis, didn't just, they didn't teach woman. They didn't speak to woman. They didn't include woman. But Jesus did. And not only that, he touched her. Now you understand, he is shattering all the culture of that church. He's saying, God is not interested in your fancy rules about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. God is interested in people and their restoration. You put that first. So he, he, first of all, he cast the demon out of her. Cast the spirit of infirmity out of her. Second, he lays hands on her and then she recovers. Her back is here. She stands up. You read in the verse, it says she stood up and began to glorify God. And now comes the third restoration. And this is the part I'm leading to, to where I want to finish. In the third part, you notice now the leader of the synagogue steps up. Now, the leader of the synagogue is expected to uphold the honor of the synagogue. He is feeling challenged by what Jesus has done. Jesus has just literally slapped in the face the whole religious culture. Everything he just did now has slapped them in the face. And he did it deliberately in front of everyone. There is no hiding this deal. And so the religious leader stands up. And of course, the typical religion, they will never talk to you directly. They talk to the crowds. They talk to the crowd and say, there's six days that men ought to be come and be healed. And, come, and on those days, come and be healed. But on the Sabbath, it's for the Lord. It's for the Lord. The Sabbath the Lord. Now, of course, everyone knows if they could have come on any six days, they're not going to get healed. Religion doesn't heal people. That system won't heal people. This is hypocrisy. And so Jesus now, notice that a challenge has been issued. Everyone in that culture knew what was just going down. Jesus had done something that confronted the culture. Now they are publicly challenging him, saying, well, you know, this is the Sabbath. This is for the Lord. <laughs> You want to do that healing stuff? Do it on the other days, not this. Not. And so Jesus now is required to reply. And here's his reply. You hypocrite. Now, you're just a play actor. You're acting out a big part. You are not authentic in any kind of way. And then he speaks to all of them because he knows this guy is representing all of them. And what he's attacking is the culture. And he says, which of you, all of you, which one of you, on the Sabbath day, if you had a donkey that needed watering, you would untouch, unhook the donkey, walk it over, water it, and take it back. That was what they were able to do. That was the law. That was one of the laws they had made, by the way. He say, now, this woman is a daughter of Abraham, and she's been bound 18 years by the devil. Should she not be loosed on the Sabbath? 
Now, that, now, notice what happens now. You read that next verse. It is just stunning. Remember what he's done, he's, he's given an answer. And it said, his adversaries were ashamed. The religious system is an adversary to the move of the Spirit of God. A religious system that is interested in its own honor, its own forms of honor, in its own appearances, all of that kind of thing is contrary to the move of the Spirit because it's concerned more for the things of man than the things of God. It's an affront to God. And so Jesus has confronted them. It says his adversaries were ashamed. In other words, he publicly humiliated them with his answer. He exposed their hypocrisy. You care more about animals than people. You don't care about the Lord. You don't care about the devil. You don't even understand what God is on about. God's, the law is summed up. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. You like the animals better than people. You actually have no love or compassion for people. You are missing the fundamental of God, yet claim to represent him. His adversaries were ashamed. And it said all the people rejoiced. In other words, they voted. Jesus won that round. <laughs> And they all rejoiced. I mean, that means they clapped and they cheered. They broke out into public applause. And that's why the other guys were so embarrassed. They are publicly humiliated by Jesus in this honor challenge. And every time you read Jesus having an honor challenge, he always won every one. But what he's done is this. Not only has he successfully challenged the false honor system, he's established clearly God's priorities. He said people are of value to God. I care about them. That's why I've come. I'll interrupt my message to heal a broken heart. You notice what he's done? He has healed her physically. He has delivered her from the demonic spirit. And publicly, he has restored her honor. What she suffered in an honor culture was not just physical disability. You can learn to live with some uncomfort. But shame? How do you live in a culture when you are rejected, reviled and no one wants contact with you. That is of all the wounds, one of the most painful. It's what religious systems do. If you don't play the game, you're shunted aside. Now, people may not revile you, but by not embracing you, it's as good as if they hated you and killed you. I was, I was in a church with one young man and, uh, I, and uh, I'd known him for quite a long time and then I found out he wasn't there one day and, I said, hey, what's going on? Where is he? And no one would tell me what was going on. So I just kept asking, what's going on? Where's this young guy? Because he used to board with my, uh, with my son when he's going through Bible school. So where's this young guy? In the end, I got ushered into the senior pastor's wife and I think, oh, well, what's going on here? So anyway, they told me very serious tone. And uh, well, the young man's, he was involved in immorality. I said, oh, really? Well, what did you do to help him? You know, and they said, oh, well, we sent him away to prayer mountain for three, three months to pray and fast. Now, I, it's all I could do to stop breaking into laughter. It was all I could, I sent him to prayer mountain to pray and fast for three months. And I said, and? He said, well, when he came back, he did it again. Now, that, I, it's all I could do not to contain myself. Said, well, of course he did. You've sent him alone to pray for three months over sexual sin. What the heck is he going to do when he comes back from there? You haven't even begun to find out what the real problem is. 
You haven't begun to fight. I sat with him. I found out what the problem was. Deep roots of rejection in him, deep control in her, and both of them needed major help, major deliverance to set them free. But what happened was he got the cold shoulder. I said, you're walking dead. You're a dead man walking in this place. You know, and that reference to a dead man walking is a person on death row who's condemned to death, but it hasn't happened. He's still alive and around, but he's, he's, the judgment has been given. It's just the day of when it's executed. And I said, in this church, you're a dead man walking because if you're not welcomed and celebrated and embraced, you're as good as cut off from the flow of life. I said, don't stay in this place. You cannot thrive. You'll actually feel the rejection and the shame and you will become quite bitter and lose your faith in God because these are God's representatives doing it. I said, I counsel you to leave promptly, find another place, open your heart, tell them exactly what's happened to you, submit to their leadership and counsel, and then find a place of serving and acceptance in another house. You cannot thrive where you're not welcomed. See, that's what a religious spirit will do. See, it does that. And, and if you felt it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's like no one's saying anything, but the wall is so thick you can feel it. And what's, been, what's ministered is rejection and shame. The message of shame is something is wrong with me, but I don't know what it is, and there's nothing I can do to fix it. Jesus came and died for many things on the cross. And what we hear about is his death for sin and transgression, iniquity and so on. But he also died to carry our shame, to release us from shame, to put honor back on our life again. So, so one of the things we see, we don't get it in the West. You think, oh, we're born again, come in the family of God. And, but if you understand that from a Middle East context, now I'm being put into the family of the wealthiest person possible, I've been given the greatest honor possible. See what love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called his own children. See, we know the scriptures, but we haven't got much revelation on what they signify to those who are writing them. So in the story, we see the woman set free from the demon, healed in her body, but her honor restored. Nowhere else in the Bible is any woman called a daughter of Abraham. Jesus has publicly honored her. That day, what everyone spoke about was the woman who has been honored by Jesus. Now understand that within that story, you catch the heart of God. He's not interested in religious systems. He's not interested in false honor systems. He wants you to understand he values people and he will put such honor on us, undeserved honor. Religion requires you deserve the honor by performing doing what's culturally acceptable. That's not the kingdom of God. In God's kingdom, he puts honor on people who never did anything to deserve it because that's who he is. He welcomes them into a family and puts honor back on them. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they, they lost their innocence and became guilty. They lost their honor and became filled with shame. They lost their power and become filled with fear. Jesus comes to restore us, to set us free, to make us innocent again, to put honor back on us again, and to restore us to a place of power and authority. Amen. What an, see, that's the gospel of the kingdom right there. 
That's the gospel that we're to carry to people, to people who are shamed, to people who are broken, to people who have no honor, their honor was taken away from them, to people who have suffered in life. Jesus came not just to deliver them from demons, not just to forgive their sins, but he wanted to restore honor to them and lift them back up into a place where he can say, I have an identity, I know who I am. The prodigal son, when he came home, received a robe that covered all his shame, received a ring to represent his father, and received shoes of sonship to stand immediately restored. The religious brother said, but he doesn't deserve it. And that is the point of the story. God's love as a father looks past all of that and says, I just want to put it on you because that's who I am. I want to pray for people right now. I'm going to give an opportunity just to minister to people now. If you are bowed down in a part of your life with fear, with shame, with the accusations or rejection that has taken place in church for any reason, we're not here to put blame. We're just here to get you free of what you're carrying. If you've had false accusations come against you, there's been ridicule or despising, there's been something come against you and you're shut down inside and you don't even know why you're shut down. Something has come against you, but you feel like I'm not good enough all the time. There's something is working against you to hold you in bondage. You may be standing up straight, but inside in your soul, you're bowed down. You could be bowed down with grief, disappointment. You could be bowed down by betrayal. I was bowed down by several betrayals but God lifted me up again. He can do it. He can do it for you. And if the Spirit's involved, He'll deliver you. But you've got to come to Him. He calls us to come. To come to the one who loves us and values us. And no matter where you've gone to, He'll lift you back up again. I've seen people fall into terrible things. And sometimes it was serious sin. But the one thing I've understood about God is, no matter how much pig stuff you get caught up in, he still gives you a hug and welcomes you back. That's the point of that story. God isn't like us. God's not a man that he should treat us like that. God is God. He's a loving father. His nature is merciful, compassionate. He's kinder than we think. He's more loving than we think. That's the revelation you need to get. Some of you are bowed down. Some of you are bowed down, not by something physical, but by something spiritual that's come against you. Perhaps you're being cut off in some way rejected because you didn't play the game rejected because you raised an, a question that no one wanted and made them feel awkward rejected because somehow you've challenged something rejected because somehow you don't fit God wants to lift that off you he wants you to walk around in shame he wants you to walk around feeling I'm second rate he wants you to stand up in your identity a child of the living God called and anointed to carry the life of my father and represent him and bring love and healing to others and if we're not free as leaders how can we bring others into it come on why don't we stand up finish right now give a chance for people to receive prayer receive a touch of God whatever place in your life that you know you need to have something lifted off you why don't you come up and say Father I'm coming right now I'm forgiving those people that did that Father I'm asking you forgive me Father I want to have this thing lifted off my life